0: Welcome to Season 3 of Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your semi-anonymous host, but if you know, you know. You know? All right, let's go. You may or may not know that that podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and I just have to say there have been so many times in the last few years that I felt like, okay, I think I'm better. I don't know if I need therapy and then I have my session and I'm just like, I am so thankful I did that today. For me, online therapy has been the best thing because if I don't have something for my kids to do specifically, I just let them watch a show and I come up and I do therapy and it's in the comfort of my home and it's easy and convenient. BetterHelp is incredible because they have so so many options for therapists that you can use. There's really quick access to your therapists. If you don't vibe well with the person you're with, you can just change it up. There's just so many good things here. So we have a discount code. It's 10% off your first month's membership. If you go to betterhelp.com dating after death, that's help H-E-L-P, and you'll get that discount and hopefully a therapist who you love and can help you as you navigate this journey for the first time ever, we have a two-part episode today. I sat down with Lauren and her mother, Monty, to talk about their experience of both being young widows. I mean, seriously, what are the chances? So I wanted to talk to both of them because Lauren's experience as a child I thought would be very interesting, as well as her mom's experience 30 years ago as a young widow. And then to hear about what Lauren's experience has been like for herself to be a young widow. What a crazy reality. Anyway, I had to break the episode into two parts because there's no way you can talk about all that in less than an hour. So you will hear half of the conversation today and then have to come back next Tuesday for the second part. So let's get to this conversation with this mother-daughter duo. Lauren, you and I have been chatting for a while, and I didn't realize that you were also a child griever, and now obviously grieving as an adult, and so you kind of told me that this was true, and that you and your mom would be willing to talk on the podcast, so we have you and your mother, Monty, with us, Mm -hmm. so we're going to just go through it all today. (laughs) A lot to cover. Yes, there's so much to cover, so we'll try to be as quick as we can. I'm sure we won't have time for it all, but... (laughs) Monty, maybe you can start by giving us sort of concise version of your story and what happened, and then we'll move to Lauren.
1: Uh, Okay. Lauren, she was 14. My son was almost 18. My husband was a very busy businessman, had a lot of stress, and Mm -hmm. I'd always kind of been concerned about his health because he wasn't really one to work out, take that good of care of himself. And one morning, he woke up early and uh, was kind of having trouble breathing, walking. He said, we need to go to the hospital. He felt something right in his chest. And I jumped out of bed. And I don't even know what I threw on because this is so unusual for something like this to happen. And uh, we were very close, like almost at the end of our street, basically is a hospital. So instead of calling 911, we walked downstairs. He got dressed, tucked in his shirt, put his belt on, even though he was kind of in pain, I could hear him and went downstairs. I said, Stay in the sunroom while I back out the car. And when I looked, I didn't see him, and he was face down. Mm. It was massive and it was fast. Uh, it was just an unbelievable feeling thinking that I could revive him, and I couldn't. Here comes everything the fire trucks, the ambulances, and everything and they take him to the hospital really unbelievably lauren who was sleeping upstairs never heard any of it which oh, wow. i was just thinking a little while ago what a blessing it was for her yeah. not to see him go through this my son was helping me give him uh, cpr and uh she didn't have to go through that so we had a lovely night the night before we all said mm-hmm. good night and that was that for me what happened was he was an owner and in partnerships with many people in business and almost immediately I was feeling alone and unsupported because of the shifting of everyone. Once I got back home and once he didn't make it, he was, he was dead here, but they Mm. kept trying to revive him. So I, that started a journey for me. That was a four year journey. Um, Like trying to understand how I grieve, be a mom, and be a businesswoman, because I had to start like that. Mm -hmm. The grief was sitting in, you know, I felt like I'd been hit by a truck. Yeah. And all of that was going on and the the horribleness of that feeling. But I had to learn, and I'm trying to shorten this because I could go on forever. I know, it's (laughs) so hard. I learned rather quickly to divide it into three hats. And I had to have my business hat on. I went out and bought a suit because I right away had to go to meetings. And then I would come home and be a mom to two devastated children. And then I would go upstairs in my bedroom and sob and punch pillows and then pull myself together and come down and be okay for them. i felt Mm -hmm. for some reason now, this is 30 years ago for me. Yeah. So I was a little old-fashioned probably in the way things are done today in that I felt like I needed to shelter them from my trauma so that they would feel like they weren't an orphan, <laughs> you know, yeah. that I yeah. had fallen apart, and that was important to me at the time. Yeah. So I went through four years of that, and it was pretty terrible. <laughs> but in those four years, I found a new person. I mm-hmm. basically recreated myself. Yeah. I don't know. Do you want me to go further? Yeah, no, that? that's
0: good. I, I have like a million questions, but um, <laughs> we'll get to those. And so maybe Lauren can tell her version of sort of her life before, and then we can dive into all the questions.
2: Yeah. I mean, this was a summer morning. I had just turned 14 the summer before my freshman year of high school. And now looking back, it's wild, you know, this was uh, June 27th, And uh, so much of what I've learned sense of how you know, the body keeps the score and the way that we hold trauma that date always haunted me, you know, even mm-hmm. if I didn't know years later, what day it was, I would still have kind of this off day. And then I'd look at the calendar and be like, oh shit, okay, yeah, that's, that's, you know. Now I I realize that trauma of my poor mom had to wake me up with the news that, you know, dad was gone. And just trying to process it, it's just too much for your brain to take in in a short amount of time. And I remember just thinking, like, how how are we going to possibly do this? Because my dad was so the centerpiece of our family. He was the leader and he ran the show. And my mom was an incredible um, mother who did all of the things when it came to us, kids in the house and everything. But just that reality check of like, how is she gonna now do this? Yeah, Like, oh shit, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, besides all of the other stuff of like all of the immediate thoughts that I had of like, who's going to walk me down the aisle and, you know, all of these like little girl losing their dad thoughts. Yeah. Um, You know, I've since processed that trauma of just even that that day. And June 27th feels so different to me now, which is just really interesting in my part of my grief when it comes to losing my dad and just the, the sudden shock of it all. But yeah, it was pretty wild high school time um, to witness my mom going through something. And yeah, I didn't always understand what she was going through. At times I did, I was privy to a lot of stuff because it was all of a sudden just my mom and I in this yeah. house, we called it like a little sorority house. it's like, we went from having two guys two girls to just my mom and i because my brother left at the end of that summer to go off to college oh wow and so it was just like well wow this is new and different and suddenly my mom and i in a sense were kind of like we became like peers Hmm. because she was going through a transition and naturally i'm in high school and now you know and i'm dealing with this traumatic thing and i'm going through a transition and we were really just kind of figuring it out together. Yeah. Like and you know, now i can look back and see how i handled it in high school. i could have gone kind of one route and instead i was just like i put my head down and i was just like the super achiever and did all the things. I was in every single activity and, you know, mm-hmm. class president, student body president, like all these things. And I think I really was just trying to make it better. Yeah. I, you know, I could see that my mom was not okay. And I just was hoping that maybe that would make it okay. I just wanted to be really good. I didn't drink. So it's just interesting now, you know, therapy years yeah. later, I never had therapy then she had offered offered it. I was like, no, I had stigma around it, you know, Yeah. who does that? I don't, you know, now looking back, I'm like, oh man, I love therapy, yes. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, you know, know, and I've just learned so <laughs> much, but you know, we just only know what we know yeah. until we learn and, um, It sounds like both of you after that passing, after that death,
0: sort of went into like hyper activity mode, right? Like just do a lot of stuff. That's I know that's how I'm processing. Mm
1: -hmm. I'm just like go, go, go,
2: go, go, go. I didn't really have a choice. Yeah. She yeah, I think she really just dug in and and knew what was on the line. I mean, we it was like I was going to a private school, my brother was about, you know, starting college and it's like All of a sudden, we're in a financial situation that was hairy. Yeah. So, hey Monty, you know. did
1: you go from being a stay-at-home parent to working? I went from a stay-at-home mom, room mother, picking out the doormat for fall, all of that to—I mean, I paid household bills and took care of the house. Yeah. Because uh, he was so busy. But yes, I learned within a few days that to survive. I could feel the energy around me, people pulling things out from under me, us. Mm-hmm. And it was like survival mode. It, mm-hmm. it, it was just dig in your heels, don't complain, get it done. Yeah, And then you can yeah. grieve. Like in my private time, I would go grieve and then I'd come back. I knew the grieving part was important though. Yeah. I didn't want to wake up someday and not have done it because then you can't go out and have fun ever right. again, you know, right? Yeah, you're stuck.
0: I'm sure a lot of people will be able to relate to that, like just the survival mode of you do what you have to do. And yep. you grieve when you need to. And um, Lauren, can you tell us now about your husband?
2: Yeah. So Andy and I met right after I turned 30. And I had just kind of was like, <laughs> it also been you know, turning 30, I was kind of like, Hmm, okay, my clock is ticking. And where is this guy already? And then one day I met him at a brewery music festival. And it was just like, it was like this spotlight was on him. He just had this aura. (laughs) And he just like pretty much tracked me down. I was there with a bunch of guys that day. It's so random that that's like the day that I met my husband. But he got my number and called me the next day. And it was when we went out our first date. um, I called my mom afterwards and I said, I think I just met my future husband. And she was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was just so clear. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like, I, I feel like I, you know, can't talk about Andy without talking about just what a amazing human he was of like, Everybody comments still to this day about his smile, his laugh, how much he just loved living. Yeah. Um, He was an amazing dad. Uh, But basically he, when, so we have two girls who um, were three and six when he died. And when our youngest was just about turning one, this was December 2015. He confessed to me that he was a drug addict. Mm. And you had no idea. I of course in hindsight things started to become clear. I knew something was up with him, but you know, it's amazing the stories that we tell ourselves. We don't want to see somebody who's so strong and functional and capable mm. as like week. So I remember one time Googling about small pupils, like, what is up with my husband? Like, does he have, you know, some sort of like disease? And the first thing that came up was opioids. Mm. And I said, well, it's not that. But he confessed to me that he was a major drug addict, and he was um, addicted to mostly Vicodin. He had gotten pretty heavy into Adderall and um, at, at times other things where it was like pretty out of control. So he he went cold turkey, went sober at that point. And it was about five months later that he had his first manic episode and it was not pretty. Mm-hmm. And that whole year, like from that point was pretty gnarly. I mean, he, he didn't sleep for like two weeks and then it was visits to the ER, and eventually getting on medication. He got diagnosed as bipolar, but he did not like it because his dad was bipolar and died by suicide. Hmm. So he was very rejecting of that, didn't want anything to do with it, but every time he saw a doctor, they would tell him he was bipolar. So eventually he relapsed that year and went to rehab Got the bipolar diagnosis, accepted it, got on medication. But unfortunately, he had paranoia that I think was really like from the damage done to his brain from being an addict for a few years mm. um, while our kids were babies that he just couldn't shake. It. I think he, I, I think he developed like schizophrenia from the drug abuse. Yeah. So, yeah, he moved out January 2018, thinking that that was going to help solve his problems, and it really didn't. Yeah. It just kind of made it worse. When he w- we co-parented, when he was with the girls, he was amazing. When he wasn't with the girls, he spiraled. And he died by suicide um, August uh, 2018. Okay. The
0: big, huge question that just rings in my mind, thinking about your story, Lauren, and yours, Monty, and the way this has happened twice now in your family
2: is, did you fear this your whole life? It was definitely um, a fear. And Andy knew it, too. And um, he confessed and he felt incredible shame. I mean, there's shame surrounding you know the whole thing for him of Mm -hmm. his addiction and everything but he told me that you know once he came clean about the addiction that there were times that he would lay in bed at night after taking pills or you know and he knew that it was kind of like russian roulette
1: and that Mm. there was a
2: chance that he could not wake up and that that would be my biggest fear and he knew that and he felt terrible but the addiction was so strong yeah. That uh, he couldn't get a hold of it. He he kept trying to manage it without me knowing, you know, like, oh, Lauren will never know. And then, you know, we'll yeah. be good to go. Yeah. But there was a part of me that felt like the worst had already happened to me. So mm-hmm. I was just like immune to this possibility. Like, you know, oh, that would be terrible. But that would just be like, what are the odds yeah. that I would find myself as a young widow, just like my mom? Yeah. And Monty, did you fear this
0: for her?
1: Um, No, I never
2: feared that for her. I
1: feared for myself because my Mm. husband was so stressed and didn't take care of himself. But I felt like when it happened to her, I thought, how can this be happening? But honestly, when I think about it, as she's talking, I'm thinking about how I had to kind of be there for her in three different instances. One, to tell her that her dad was gone and how we were gonna survive. The second one was when she went through this period of time, a couple of years that Andy was kind of breaking her down with his mental illness. And then when he died. So there were three different times. And I, I keep, the thing that keeps me really okay, not okay about it. I mean, we made it through, we're making it through, let's put it that way, because it never mm-hmm. goes away. You just learn to live with it. And it does lessen. So that's the good thing. It does soften, it's not yeah. as painful, is that both of us have changed in really positive ways. Mm. And if there's yeah. anything good that can come, is it possible that that can happen? I never Worried about her and especially Andy, I thought he was just like the best. We all loved Mm -hmm. him. He loved us. We loved him. He, we were shocked. We were shocked.
0: Yeah. So it's a little. The questioning is tricky because I like want to go and Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your childhood and and your experience, Monty, but then also the more recent events. But let's maybe go back a little bit and talk about um, Monty when you started dating. Can you tell us what that experience was like? Cause it's obviously different than those of us who are doing it now in the world of <laughs> online dating and all of that. Right. So you can tell us a little bit about what that was like for you. And then we can hear what it was like for you as a child, Lauren. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, as I said, I had four years of probate and a lot of work to do. I mean, I had to set up an office and it wasn't really on my mind to date cause I was so busy and so concerned with my kids. However, when it would come up in my mind, I would say, I will never date anyone. Of course, we did not have this. We did not have computers 30 years ago, which is hard to believe. (laughs) I will never date anyone at a bar. I will only date someone who someone recommends, like they already know them. I was kind Mm -hmm. of fearful of the online thing. Now, I mean, I've heard Lauren doing it and it's kind of comical to me. I think I'm trying to convince a friend of mine to do that because she hasn't really dated since her husband died and it's been 10 years, I think. But that seems sort of comical, but I would go out and the thing that was annoying to me really, other than first dating, I felt old at 44, Hmm. uh, Starting to date, and then, you know, the question is, I felt like I needed a little tape recorder sitting <sighs> on the table that I could push the button, and then, okay, this is what happened to me. That's my story. Now mm. can we talk about something else? Because everyone wants to know. they all know I'm a widow, yeah. and, and I didn't want to have to tell the story. At first, you do want to tell the story, and everyone yeah. needs to listen. However, When you're trying to escape that a little bit and go have fun, Mm -hmm. um, you don't want to have to go over it. So I remember that part. And then I just got tired of going out with people that I just didn't, you know, just got, I don't know, people. I'd have one date with this person, one with another. I'd say, no, no, no. I said, I'm done. I have a dog. I have my house. (laughs) I started my interior design business. Hmm. This is as good as it gets for me right now i I always thought I'd end up with someone though mm. i always i I liked being married so I thought that that would be possible but um when I said I'm done, that's when I met who I married of course
0: <laughs> seems like it always happens that way <laughs> right yeah and how did you meet him? It was a
1: setup that's the only way to okay. go, right. Right. Yes. I said that too, though. So that's <laughs> that's just... <laughs> so I uh, met him at a, kind of a meet and greet financial institution thing where you go in. They used to call him Dine and Dash. And you come in mm. and you can either dine or order food and dash. Get, out, get the heck out of there if you didn't want to hang around. And I said, OK, where is this guy? He's right there. And I, I was tired. I had just been out of town and I was tired. And I looked at him and I went, oh, hmm. well, hmm.
2: <laughs> maybe <laughs> we I'll die. together. That was
1: it. That was it. Oh, so I love it. I, didn't, I did have a couple of relationships before I met him that were odd kind of <laughs> <laughs> people, um, people I knew. Mm-hmm. One was a friend of my late husband, and it was fun. And I enjoyed it, but I knew from day one it wasn't right for me. Yeah. So, you know, there's a time when you can just, it's part of the process, I think, you know, date for just knowing it's a good time and yeah. that's it. Yeah. You know, he was fun and took me to nice places. It was great.
0: So, knowing that Lauren was a little older, how
1: did you communicate with her? Did she know you were dating? How did <laughs> all that happen? We were just talking <laughs> about this before you came on. Oh, perfect. She was like, you know, when I started dating, she was still here when I had a couple of, in between those four years, once in a while, I'd go out to dinner with someone that someone fixed up. She would park in the kitchen mm-hmm. and kind of watch, you know, as I came in that door
2: mm-hmm. and
1: she would make a comment. He's too old. He's too fat. He would come <laughs> in to pick me up. <laughs> he's this, he's that. It was pretty comical. Do you you remember that,
2: Lauren? Not really. She did.
1: (laughs) She made all those comments. It was really funny. One night, after a a couple of years, I went to a wedding at the Ritz, and I was invited to sit with all these friends. All the wives hate to dance. I love to dance. Hmm. I was no threat to them. I sit at the table, and I danced all night, and I came home pretty late, and we didn't have little cell phones. So I walked in. Lauren said, where have you been? Reverse <laughs> <laughs> roles. Where have you yeah. been? I said, I don't know, but I really had fun for the first time in a long time.
2: Yeah. Well, I do remember. I mean, and we've talked about the, the one time in Florida. We used to go down to Florida for um, spring break. And she went out with one of my dad's friends for a drink. And, you know, just like as friends. And I remember... Just, I had expectations of when she was going to be home. And then I did start to panic. Like, mm. this is, you know, this is real. What you just kind of, my mind went to all, through all the things of like, wait, what if she doesn't come home? Yeah. What would I do? And what, you know, this is my only parent kind of thing. So that was definitely, I vividly remember it. That is one part that I remember the fear of, you know, well, of losing and her. Then, when I met yeah. my husband now, it was very important for me
1: that my kids could relate to whoever I was going to end up with. If I was going to end up with someone, I never really pictured myself getting married, but I think I sort of resisted the marriage thing by saying, I just want a playmate. I want someone that I can (laughs) go have fun with, you know, not saying the the word marry again. Mm -hmm. But when we, Michael and I decided we had five children, between us that were almost the same in the same age category, like from 18 to 23 or so nice at that time. And on the way home, because she and I drove together and he came with his kids and my son was in town. So he was there. All the kids were there. We had a great time. And on the way home, I asked her because she never said a word when she got in the car. Mm -hmm. I said, well, what do you think? She said, he's cute, mom. That was the first good comment I ever got from anybody. (laughs) So I thought thought that was good.
0: Lauren, do you remember having like feelings about your mom dating
2: one way or another? I definitely, it was hard to get used to, you know, it was hard to see my mom transform a bit, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's funny because I mean, all of these things I see my girls do now, like they don't like seeing me change very much. They want things to stay the same. They get a little nervous if anything changes up too much. And, you know, my mom was like going through a transition. She was changing her haircut and she was changing her Mm -hmm. clothes that she was wearing. All of a sudden she was, you know, just looking, you know, all cute for these dates. And I don't know, like going shopping for herself. And it was like, in one sense I understood, but in the other sense, it's just that resistance of like, Okay, so much has changed already, yeah. and I, I like, I still want my mom. Yeah, and for sure, I'm going through that right now with the girls, and I can relate to them. And and luckily, I can mm-hmm. share that with them. It's the most bittersweet part of my story and my reality is that anything that comes up from them for them, I'm like, no, I remember, I get it. You know that there was a, some resistance that came up from them recently with my relationship. And I said, have I ever told you how I felt when I met Papa? And they looked at me with these big eyes. I said, yeah, I was kind of like, eh. (laughs) And they they go, but it's Papa. I said, I know, like we know Papa now, he's the best. I said, but it didn't matter. My feelings at the time were having to do with my relationship with Gaga, with my mom. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that to change, and I knew that now with somebody in the picture, that was going to change. Yeah, and there's just more grief. You know, it's just that's just the reality. It doesn't mean that it's going to turn into something bad. It's actually you, there's so much to gain. It becomes a big bonus, but you don't see it like that as a child. You just see what you're losing. Yeah. You know, what you're not going to have anymore. I mean, at that age, when my mom met Michael, I was living in Chicago, right? Yeah. I think I was living in Chicago. Uh, I think maybe I just graduated college or maybe I was in Chicago. Well, No, it was, it was after 9-11. I was living so in Michael Chicago. So Michael is Papa, is that right? Papa. Okay. My, my girls call them Gaga and Papa. Okay. And, oh my gosh, like, I, you know, we would go on vacations together. We'd go on little spa trips. You know, it was my mom and I, and she didn't have anybody, and it was brilliant because then I would, like, be her plus one. Totally. You know, it was so... Connected, we were. I was finally at an age where we could really go do fun things, have a glass of wine together, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it was like, uh, Mm -hmm. those were fun days, and those days are over. You know, not over, but it just is different now. And she hid that very well. Yeah, because they made me feel like they
1: wanted me to get out and and mm. have fun we did. not necessarily find someone a forever someone but just to get out and have fun they made me feel like it was okay or I wouldn't have done it trust me I would have stayed yeah. home
2: it was okay and that's the thing cuz we know that there's duality in everything like i remember feeling those feelings and i also remember feeling the other but you know just not maybe didn't have as much awareness of them as, you know, as of those feelings as I do now. Yeah. That I can look back and see what that was actually all about. Because that's just the difference of being, you know, younger and then more evolved.
0: Yeah. I'm listening to you and I'm like taking mental notes about ways to talk to my kids about this, you know, because right, like, I love that idea that, that even the kids can feel the duality of emotion, even though they can't describe it you know, and to help them see like, you know, you might feel frustrated that I'm spending time with him and also feel like it's okay.
2: Yeah. That's one of the things that I talk to my girls about actually probably the most when we talk about grief and hard feelings. Oh man. Sometimes our conversations at the dinner table are hilarious. Like if there's a fly (sighs) on the wall, just on the regular, you know, that we talk about that people would never just, you know, be horrified about talking about. But I said, you guys what if daddy walked in the room right now? I said, you know what I would do? First, I would punch him. And <laughs> then I would hug him. And then I would punch him again. And, then I, and they were just like shocked. But then I think they were really relieved of me being able to actually share that duality of like, I'm pissed at him. yeah, And I understand and I love him very much. And I I can relate to you know, I, I can understand as much as I can what was going on in his sick brain Yeah. of, you know, why he did what he did. But that's the reality is that we can. And, and I think I saw, especially my oldest daughter, really struggle with those feelings of like we can have these feelings still of like being sad and mad. And also we can see that we're OK.
0: Yeah. Like, look at us,
2: you know? Totally.
0: Yeah. I really thought, okay, this is my third season doing this. I'm going to feel sturdier this year. And I'm like, (laughs) no, why am I crying listening to you? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it's because I think that is so amazingly relatable. Same thing. Like, I'm pissed at my husband, too. You know, like, he made choices that forced this to happen. And Mm -hmm. like you're saying, like, also, I understand. And it's just like, oh, my heart is like, yes. (laughs) oh yeah that duality is hard to live with
2: so very complex and you know and then you think about it through a kid's lens it's it's a lot you know to they're just feeling so much but they don't know what they're feeling or why so I've just been so grateful that I can dissect some of this for them because I've lived it and I remember it well you know so anytime all their feelings come up about not having a dad it's like "Mm, I know I've been there yeah yeah
1: been there
0: As a child, did any of those feelings, like I understand this piece about not wanting to lose your mom and who she was. Did any of the emotions you had around her dating relate to your dad specifically, or were they more about your relationship with her?
2: I mean, I think naturally I, you know, I didn't have a lot of men in my world. I really just knew my dad and I really looked up to him and thought he was wonderful. So then to have these other men (laughs) that were so very different from my dad in a lot of ways, in some ways different, you know, in kind of cute, interesting ways. That was interesting to just kind of witness and observe other men. And then it was hard to not judge or, you know, think I knew what was best for my mom. But it's like, obviously, when a woman is changing so much in front of your eyes, who they best match with. Is going to change. I was you know, we going to go with someone like him again. <laughs> yeah. No. And I mean, that's that's, that's like the bru- yeah, that's the brutal reality now. Like, as much as I can look back at who I was when I met Andy, and I felt like we were the perfect match, Andy's not a match to me now. Yeah. Who I am is like a totally different place. One hundred percent. And that's very bittersweet.
1: So you were seeing all kinds of guys that. Not all kinds, no, not but that many, was, really. Yeah. <laughs> but you were seeing, you were seeing, it was people that were very different, as I was, because I was looking for something different. Did eventually. you know
0: specifically what you were looking to avoid or what you were looking for for me?
1: Yeah, um, I wanted someone who a sense of humor, because there was so much stress in mm. his world. I wanted someone funny, and that's what I have. I wanted someone that was kind, not that my husband wasn't kind, but just a little, just a little slower pace. Even though mm-hmm. he can get stressed in his work, or he's retiring, he's in transitioning into retiring now. But I think I wanted someone that I could just, that really understood me. I don't think my husband really understood me. We had a great marriage. We were married about nineteen, almost twenty years when this happened. And it was good. We traveled everywhere with the kids. But Mm -hmm. there was, I guess I wanted someone that just really more a little bit like me. I mean, I'm in a wellness business. You know, I teach meditation and yoga. I mean, my Mm -hmm. former husband so wouldn't understand that. (laughs) And the one now does it with me. Yeah. So I think I was geared to, because after the four years of the grieving and the business part that I had to do, I was a new woman. Mm. I wasn't who I was back there. And it just kept getting more and more into this space of who I was looking for. And we were a match instantly.
0: Yeah. Okay. Can we like, just like hash something out together, the three of us? (laughs) Because I have a thought. I'm just thinking about how my boyfriend, I feel like he sees me in a different way than my husband ever saw me. Just like what you're saying, right? Like Mm -hmm. he gets me more. Um, And I'm wondering if that's also because we understand ourselves better as individuals going into that next relationship.
1: I think that's true. You really do, once you, I don't know how long it's been since.
0: My husband died almost three years ago. Okay.
1: You're just gonna keep growing and changing and really understanding yourself because when you grieve, I think you just get, the one place to grieve is within. You just really have to get within. And when you get within, you really know yourself. so much better. You know what maybe upset you. I was angry with him too. First of all, he never took care of himself. And so he drops dead and leaves us there and leaves me with a four-year mess of trying to change, get everything together because he didn't have things nice and tidy and tight for me. Everything was messy. But I think anyway, you, you understand your anger, you understand all the pluses about yourself and what would make you happy moving forward. And then You attract that. Yeah. You attract it. Once you become who you really are, the truth of who you really are, you're going to attract that person to you. Other people aren't really going to like that part of me, that version of myself where I could meditate all morning. He just says, okay, I'll go work. I'll meditate a little bit and then I'll go work or I'll go work mm -hmm. in the yard. Someone else would say, what? I mean, she's kind of woo-woo. So (laughs) Yeah, and I made I made a business out of it. So, good for you.
2: <laughs> the other thing about being in this position finding yourself through dating is a very unique opportunity to be dating later in your life. Totally. And if you use it to your advantage, you learn a lot about yourself and mm-hmm. you know, my mom and I talk a lot about this one I mean, we just refer back to this one person that she dated who wasn't right for her, but he introduced her to running, hmm. and she and yoga. It was running because oh, oh, it was yeah. Yeah, remember yeah, that one. It, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that one. <laughs> no, it was so. Basically, what happened, and this is wild because this affected both of our lives. She dated this guy who was a runner she got into running and she all of a sudden was running like you know 10ks and stuff i was like who is this person like what the heck and she like her body totally changed and i was like people were like dude your mom i'm like i know i don't know what to say (laughs) um and she ended up getting injured because she ran so much and then she couldn't run And then at the same time that this was all happening, I was a senior in college and Mm. I took my first yoga class and I called my mom immediately afterwards. I said, mom, you have got to try yoga. You, I thought of you the whole time. You would love it. And I was really thinking about kind of, it was more of the yoga of like, it was an evening class, like a really wind down, good for your nervous system kind of class. And I, knew that she and I were both looking for that in our like grief and getting out of survival mode. Yeah. And she ended up going to yoga and realizing how therapeutic it could be for her, you know, injury because she was sidelined from that. Yeah. And then she ended up going into doing teacher training and becoming a yoga <laughs> teacher later. Amazing. Yeah, that was 21 years ago
1: that I started yoga yeah. and I've been teaching for 13. Wow. Yeah, And it then, and then
2: I, I watched her experience and I ended up going and doing a yoga teacher training oh and gosh. becoming a yoga teacher. And then, you know, fast forward, April 2019, we co-hosted a retreat together in Bali. Oh my gosh,
0: so cool. So it's you like, did? you
2: know, yeah, it was, great. So, it was great. So it's like, you know, we think back to this one person that she dated that kind of it wasn't right but it introduced her some to something that was kind of the next on her path of discovering yeah herself and yeah. it's just like you know i'm grateful for dating
1: yeah right yeah. after
2: that i dated a
1: guy who was a triathlete mm. and set, i was set up by a friend and i was telling him about running because i was so into running and then i i love biking and he said Wow. He said, you're doing a lot of fast forward stuff. He said, the back of your body must be really weak. You need yoga.
0: Oh, oh interesting. Another
1: confirmation for that. I said, really? And he said, yeah, that makes your back, you need your back to be strong because you're always forward moving and that that your back for most runners and, and athletes that way, their back is not strong. So that confirmed it again. Validated yeah. what I already loved. Well,
0: mm -hmm. it's so interesting because, you know, when, when you're with a a partner, then you sort of live on this fairly linear path, it feels like. And then you meet these new people after and there's so many options. It's like, who am I going to become? What am I going to get into? What, you know? Yeah. And just relax
1: about it. Not trying, going out and say, I'll never find another one like him. Well, you probably won't. Um, that's okay. But you're going to find someone that you can probably better connect with because you're better connected to yourself.
0: Yeah. You know, like or she said. Or connect in a different you- way. Right. Yeah. Right. So Lauren, you haven't really told us about your dating experience.
2: <laughs> so let's-, <laughs> <laughs> Go. let's hear that story. <laughs> well, I remember it was about a year, just under a year um, out from Andy's death. I mean... All right,
0: so that's where we have to leave it this week. But Lauren's story of her dating experience is equally as compelling, of course. So I will see you back next Tuesday. Remember to check out betterhelp.com slash datingafterdeath if you are looking for therapy. And as always, check out the Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash datingafterdeath. And if you're not feeling like spending any money, then go ahead and just Do the usual podcasty things like give us a five-star review or on Apple Podcasts, actually write a review. I hope you have an okay week. Spring is coming. Bye.